if you don't mind, let's take a moment for the sponsors so they can keep the lights running and keep West Virginia and Commonplace going. 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings a service of the United States Postal Service and the UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle SD shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. Supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new rate advisory tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in pod. That's stamps.com, promo code pod, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Welcome to West Virginia Uncommonplace. Today I have with me Raquel Miller. Raquel Miller, please tell the audience who you are and why you are here today. Hello, thank you so much for welcoming me uh, to your podcast. I am Raquel Miller. I am the founder of Bunchful Technologies. And as a technology company, we actually build technology that's all about giving. And I am, you know, I'm a transplant from the Caribbean. I was born in Jamaica and um, came to New York. And uh, yes, and so that's, you know, this is where we're building um, the Bunchful company. Okay, so let me ask you a question, because this is something that people always wonder about people that start tech companies. What day and what time did you decide to start a tech company? (laughs) That's a great question. I don't think I decided to start a tech company. I think, though, that I always had a, a new within myself that I had something to express upon the world and that I had something to bring about. And I tried actually, I decided not to, not to, build, a, not to build a company. I went into entrepreneurship, went back to corporate, very happily went back to corporate. But then there's that gnawing feeling uh, I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so throughout my corporate career, when I started at Bear Stearns, Countrywide Ages, and uh, and other ventures after that, I had a feeling, I had this knowing that even though I had these wonderful opportunities, I wasn't doing what, what I was supposed to be doing. And so, it was really a, it was really an introspective turn that I took in order to realize what I wanted to do and what it was that, that, that you know, in some ways, I guess, is a calling. And so, <laughs> and so now, but why I started um, Bunchful, you know, that's, 
the reasoning behind how I came to found Bunchful, but really the beginnings of Bunchful really started much long ago in the Caribbean, long, uh, long ago on an <laughs> old farm at my, uh, in my grandparents' um, town. Okay, so, so in your grand, with your grandparents, did they show you like a bit of philanthropy or something um, as a child that made you want to give to people and help others? Not exactly. What happened was I spent the first few years of life in, uh, in that small farming town with my grandparents. And every day, my grandmother would wake me up in the mornings and made me follow her across the street to give breakfast to, our, to my uncle. And, you know, as a child at the time, I mean, I hated this routine. Why can't she go by herself? It's really only a few steps. And I didn't understand the reason why she would wake me up and make me go with her. And one morning when we arrived and saw my uncle, he was bent halfway between his bed and the floor and his body was stiff. And we knew that he had passed away. I, that memory just really stays in my mind. I can see his body, see his home. But it was long after that when I realized that when I was told that he was actually not my uncle. And the fact was that my grandmother gave, fed him all his meals for so many years, every single day. And it really struck me that my grandmother was given of herself in a way that wasn't an exchange. It wasn't this gift that I give this to you so then you can give something back to me. It was someone who was crippled and old and he, um, he needed the help and the whole community came to help him, to help with his, you know, his laundry, his you know, daily activities. But my grandmother was the one who gave him all his meals. That struck me as an extraordinary example of generosity. Okay. You know, you know um, later on, when I was about um, 10 years old, I had to go live in the city in Jamaica, in, it's still in Jamaica. I had to go live in the city with my father and my siblings and my father's wife. And I was devastated because I was being wrenched out of, you know, this small town where everyone was a community. And, you know, we, as children, we had just the most fun. My, my, my grandparents had farms and, you know, we had all this land that we played on. It was just this idyllic childhood. And because I was wrenched out of that, I went through, I don't think my parents had a name for it at the time but I went through depression and they couldn't get me to eat or participate. And I was just whittling away. And so they took me to doctors, nothing would do. One day, my, my elder brother, uh, Mabaster, pulled me off the sofa and said, come with me, we're going to the corner store because dad is giving dinner to the neighbors. I said, like, what is he talking about? I mean. Honestly, I had heard something some previous Fridays before, but I never really paid attention. 
wasn't interested. I was still very forlorn from, you know, from missing uh, my grandmother's town. But that Friday, I arrived, and there was a long stretch of people lined up to, um, to receive their meal, which was a sandwich and a drink. And, um, and, you know, everyone basically got one meal, except, um, except uh, it, well, no exceptions, everyone got a meal. And at some point, the, um, the shopkeeper would call, say, okay, no more, it's over. That's because my dad had given 100 US dollars to the shopkeeper to feed anyone. And um, and the hundred US dollars in Jamaica was so it was a lot of money at the time, but you know those people they were so grateful, you know some of them I you know just didn't have uh, meal security, and they looked at our family with so much pride and gratitude, and that was the moment actually when I came out of this depression, when I saw that same thread of generosity in my father as I had known it um, in my grandmother. Okay, so that makes sense. So from your grandparents to your father, you saw this, and, and, and uh, some people see it as giving, but we'll call it philanthropy. Like your father was actually out there trying to help his community, making sure everyone had a meal on Friday, you know, so they could get through the weekend. So that has to be very inspirational. So further on in life, um, where did more generosity and acts of philanthropy uh, come about in your life? So there was not exactly a direct line. I still, at that time, was just a child. Okay. And, and so I had no idea I would found a company uh, related to um, generosity or that I would even, um, that, that I would, even found a company. But I did have that entrepreneurial spirit. And perhaps that's something that I got from my dad. <laughs> you, you may remember if you've seen The Godfather, where, yes. you know, at, right in the opening scene, people have come to The Godfather to ask for his help. And people would come to my dad in simil um, similar ways to ask, you know, to, they would sometimes form a queue to ask for his help whenever he was around. My dad traveled a lot and, uh, and my dad was no saint, but he was um, very generous whenever he could. And, um, but there was not exactly a direct line. I, you know, I was found finding myself, you know, in all these years, finding what it was that I was meant to be doing. And I say that's not an easy task because I think in each of us, we have something that we want to express. We have something we want to bring about. And sometimes we don't know how to formulate that in words or deeds. And we sometimes you know, become confused. But I actually started my company off in the gifting, um, in the gifting industry. So there was something there about giving that always um, struck me as you know, a place where I wanted to go. But I mentioned earlier uh, that we're building technology around giving. I didn't, I, I, when I wrote the business plan for Bunchful, I always, from the very beginning, wrote that I wanted to find a company 
that, you know, when people think about giving, they think about bashful. And um, so one of the tech that we're building right now is called the Be Bunchful tech that allows businesses to showcase all the philanthropy and social good they do all on one platform. And that was baked into our DNA from the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, we set that aside and said, well, we start with gifts, um, with gifts first. And during the pandemic, you know, when, you know, all those supply chain issues were going on and in that moment, you know, we had our, you know, one of our biggest orders, you know, stock could not be delivered, you know, just thousands and thousands of dollars down the waist, you know, this was such a big order where, you know, it was follow on, it was going to be um, years, you know, years of, um, of ordering, and we couldn't deliver uh, on that new client. And, you know, and at that moment, in that, in, in that moment of desperation, I just said to myself, okay, there's a pandemic going on and we cannot fulfill this, you know, this major order for a major client. And what are we going to do? And I looked back at our business plan and I said, I'm going to start from the inside. I'm going to start from where we're going. And that's what we did. Okay, we makes went sense. back. Yes. And, you know, started building the technologies that we wanted to, um, that we were going toward anyway. Okay, now you have something coming up on November 17th. Um, would you mind speaking a little bit about that? Oh, yes. So we have a, a summit called the Bunchful Future of Technology Summit. And that is a virtual event on November 17th. It is open to the public. And this is, uh, this is an event where we're uh, leaders in the area of, of philanthropy are coming together to discuss, you know, the challenges and also, you know, where philanthropy is going in the future, how COVID has impacted us, and all those things around um, solving this, um, solving some of the world's biggest issues that we have. We took actually our foundation from the UN SDGs, which are the United Nations um, Sustainable Development um, Goals. And these are goals developed by the UN to, um, to, create, to help create a better world for all. And those are um, goals that were set to be accomplished by 2030, I believe 2030. And so we actually started with that as our foundation. We're going to be tackling those big questions that and those um, you know, big solutions that are, are needed in order to, um, you know, to go forward. Into, the, okay. into our future. Now, one thing that I forgot to do that, that we should do real quick before we go too far, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet so they can get involved and be a part of everything you have going on? Oh, yes. Actually, the easiest way to find us is at bunchful.com. That's B-U-N-C-H-F, like Frank, ul.com that's bunchful that's the name of our company so you can get all our links directly there okay and we've talked a lot about philanthropy but there's one thing that i um I, that i should get out the way philanthropy is a hard idea for people to champion sometimes because when they hear philanthropy they think of someone that's really rich uh helping someone just because they have money and they've got to get, have a tax write-off could you define your version of philanthropy for us and why you champion uh 
being a philanthropist uh, than other routes of giving. I believe that essential that one of the essential purpose of life is to give. It is imagine taking in a breath without giving without giving one back out. Right? It is essential part of our um, of our being and being able to share the gifts that we have. That's what creates community. That's what brings people together. So philanthropy is not just about, you know, writing a check. That's an important aspect. You know, with money, with financials comes agency. But imagine where we share, where we give up ourselves, we give up our talents, we give up our skills, we give that those gifts that we have and we share it with others to help them bring about into the world their own gifts that then benefits us. And that's the circle of life. Okay, I like that answer. That right there sums that up. Now, as an awards platform, your message is very clear. Um, what all information will you be providing uh, in this, this uh, virtual event that you have going on November 17th uh, about the awards in general? Okay, so great question and thank you for bringing that up. Yes, so on November 17th is the, uh, the Bunchful Future of Philanthropy Summit. That is open, as I mentioned, it's a live virtual event. Registration is required, but following that in April of 20, April 27, 2022, we have the actual Bunchful Awards. And at the Bunchful Awards, that's actually a live event. And we are recognizing and honoring those who give back to their community. So the, the Bunchful Awards, the nominations are open now. Anyone can nominate uh, the people in their lives whom they've seen uh, as exemplars of, um, of giving, you know, those people uh, who give back. And I should also mention one thing. Those who attend the summit in, uh, in November will be eligible for a drawing where we uh, give out tickets to the Bunchful Awards. It's a live um, award ceremony accompanied by a ball in New York City. It's, um, it will be a great, um, a, great, a great evening. So we encourage people to, um, to uh, attend um, the summit and, um, and be entered for tickets to, um, to the awards. Okay, and also audience, you can head over to www.thebunchfulawards.com to find all this information. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit right there because um, you told us about bunchful.com, but you do have thebunchfulawards.com also. And once again, she did say that there will be a virtual event going on November 17th. So definitely everybody that listens and everyone that's with their family after they're done listening, please join in. Um, the one thing I like about what you're doing and this is this is a compliment to you, is um, being diverse. Um, so many times, and you know, doing things like like uh, I want to I don't want to get my words jumbled, but like when we do a community type deal, when you do an award show, diversity is not always shown, and and that's one thing I want to hammer down and, and tell you thank you for that because uh, sometimes some things are exclusive and they're not inclusive if that makes sense and yeah. I really I really do definitely uh appreciate that so just digging into uh the qualifications and the judging criteria for the awards how does that work out so what we did was 
we actually formed a committee that was outside of uh, that was outside of our company and independent of our company. And we invited people from, we have um, people from around the world who were part of that committee. And that committee created the criteria by which and awards are um, delegated or by which someone is eligible um, for an award. So we really wanted to put some distance between ourselves, even though we are um, the company producing the awards, we wanted to make sure that there was fairness. We wanted to make sure, yes, you know, inclusivity and all of those things and that the awards themselves were separate from us and could um, and so that everyone knew that there were um, there were guidelines that we follow. And um, if you go to thebunchofawards.com, you will see um, you will see our um, our criteria. You will see our our nomination process. And uh, yes, lots of more information there. Okay. And another thing, just because I like to dig into and uh, give a little information out there because I got some people that just they'll listen to the podcast right and they'll hear things and then they'll go exactly to those things you have an opening for speakers still is that correct we have um we did have an opening for speakers uh this would be the final week for us to accept any new speakers so uh so if there if there are speakers out there who are interested we would encourage them to contact us immediately we will. We are closing uh, our um, open call on um, at the end of this week. Uh, we right now we have a number of amazing speakers. The IRC, who is our charitable partner, is um, will be um, will be their global. Um, they they have people. There there will be speakers from the IRC. We have uh, speakers from uh, quite a few places um, from around the world. Who will be addressing uh, philanthropy, and um, and so yes. <laughs> okay, now November seventeenth. Let's go back to this. So you're gonna you're gonna have a panel discussion over there, so that people can get involved and ideas will be floated around. What is the main focus of this panel discussion? Because we went over a few things, but like, what's the main topic? Like, if we were going to do a billboard for November seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Uh, the Bunchful Awards panel discussion. What would be on that billboard? <laughs> it will be, I would say that first there will be people, there will be technology companies there who are building tech that is addressing some of those bigger questions in philanthropy. So we have some very exciting new technologies uh, that will be presented. Uh, the audience will have a chance to ask any of their burning questions around, you know, anything around about giving. So how they can give locally or across the world, how they can, uh, you know, some new innovative ways they can become uh, involved. In, uh, in philanthropy and in giving back and giving back to your community or giving back some, you know, halfway around the world, you know, getting involved in causes that really move you. Because as I mentioned earlier, giving comes in many ways. And sometimes, you know, in realizing our gifts, we help others realize their gifts as well. 
Okay. Now, Raquel, there comes a point in this show, uh, we divvy into mental health on every little aspect of anything we're doing. So um, some people have an issue. Sometimes they give and give and they have to get something, uh, a compassion fatigue. You ever heard of that? Compassion with a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Com- compassion fatigue is something that happens when you give too much and uh, okay. you start questioning why you're giving. Um, so my question to you is, is with all these titles, you're a CEO, you're a founder, you're a chairwoman, and you're probably much more than that. With all these titles, how do you take care of yourself? Like what's the self-care you do for yourself to stay mentally focused and mentally sound when doing this? Because it sounds like you have a lot. It sounds like you're one of those people. You, your day must be like mine. Your day didn't start at 8 a.m. Your day starts every day at 6 a.m. or 5, 5 a.m. Because half, half of your work's probably done before one o'clock, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I give back to myself. Uh, the very first thing I do in the mornings is actually give back to myself. I will wake up uh, very early, but those first um, couple of hours belong to me. I use that time to mentally prepare for the day. I use that time to meditate or to do something that is, uh, that is really for me. So I focus on giving to myself. Actually, that's one of the central themes about Bunchful because when we define giving, Giving is not just about giving to others. Giving is also about giving to oneself. And so that's how uh, we, our approach to giving. And so when you give to yourself, you give yourself the resources that you need and you give yourself the opportunity to realize your own gifts. I, I mentioned before that, you know, I mentioned one of the technologies that we built before, but another technology that we built um, at Punchbowl actually goes directly to address mental health issues. And this is a platform for self-expression um, where people get to express their own gifts you know, in a uh, in community, in a talent show competition. That's also technology um, that um, that we have built. And because, you know, I think that when you really get to show the world who you are, not just one aspect, not just the aspect that goes to work, but the aspect that also goes to play and the, the things that bring you joy, that's how you really give to yourself, you feed yourself, and that's how you're able to give to others. Man, that was powerful. Thank you so much for that. Now, digging in a little bit deeper, um, looking up some more information about you, uh, you have numerous different things. Like, you have so much going on, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't see how you have time to do everything that you do. Um, so inside the show, we pay homage to a news magazine that used to come on TV, still comes on once in a while, it's called 2020. 2020 was a uh, show with Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, and John Stossel. John Stossel was a comedian of the show, so he did a little bit. They didn't give him much time. Diane Sawyer was kind of in the middle of the show, but at 1040 at night, Barbara Walters would get on there, and she could be interviewing anyone from Luther Vandross to Michael Jackson to Madonna to whoever. But the thing that Barbara Walters did was she made the person more personable. She made them more encouraging. and more, I don't want to say uh, more human, but the questions she asked had a, were really tight, 
reality-based type deal. So I would real quick like to ask you a few questions that pay homage to, to the show and give a little bit more journalistic integrity to me as we go along with these. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. All right. So here we go. Okay. You uh, left uh, Jamaica. You came to New York. When you came to New York, what was your first thought and your first idea of what you were going to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> when I came to New York, I landed at JFK and um, I had 75 US dollars and I'm still always calculating in Jamaican dollars. So I thought, whoa, I have so much money. <laughs> I thought the world belongs to me. I had to do with all this money. But as I, I remembered driving home and home at the time was uh, my cousin who lives in another state actually came to New York to pick me up at the airport. And she had helped uh, locate a friend of hers who had a room to rent. And as I drove home, um, you know, to this, um, to rent this room um, from this woman, I, you know, I was looking around and thinking, well, where are the houses? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I arrived there and I remembered feeling that that tingling feeling that something exciting is brewing in the air there was thing, there were things going on and i couldn't touch it or see it or feel it but i knew that i was going to dance with that music and i wasn't thinking at the time about um, you know what my career would be i knew the things that i loved i knew i wanted to study literature I knew I wanted to study. I wanted to study law as well, and I uh, was well on my way to um, to um, you know to to take it uh, to going to law school. And so those were some of the exciting possibilities that I um, that I was thinking about. But I don't think I was thinking of entrepreneurship. I I think that it's a realization that comes over time, you know, who you are, how you unearth who you are, you know, after you have internalized so much of the outside, you know, how do you find yourself? And that, I think, you know, for anyone listening, that in order to understand and find yourself, you have to layer, unlayer all those things that you have taken in in order to find who you really are at your core. And that actually took time. Okay. Now, you get to New York, you've had these realizations, um, you have ups and downs, and this is the reality portion of this. This is where we learn a little bit more about you. What was the first disappointment or the first failure that happened to you when you were in New York? And from that failure generally, or from, I don't consider anything a failure, I consider it a lesson learned. Um, from the lesson you learned, how did you rise from those ashes like a phoenix and uh, continue being who you are today? <laughs> wow, I had um, so many disappointments actually. Uh, there is one that comes to mind right now. I, mean, when I had uh, been given this, uh, 
these, um, they were part of a raffle and someone had won tickets to be counseled by one of the top entrepreneurs in New York. And I can't, I won't say the name of the person right now because it's a, it's a famous name. Uh, but uh, I had been given the tickets to go um, spend an hour and a half with him or two hours, I think, and get his counsel. And I remembered at the time, my, uh, my colleague and I, we went, uh, we went to see him, we were so excited. We prepared, you know, we brought our business plan, we brought our presentation. And when we arrived that day, just so happens, uh, he was in the middle of moving from one side, he was in uh, an office building. He was moving from, I think, one side of the office right across the hall to another office. So there was this um, general disarray going on. And I think he had even forgotten that we were coming. <laughs> and so we arrived and, uh, you know, there are things being, you know, furniture being moved about. And, but it wasn't that, that, um, that, you know, that really struck me. It was when we sat down and presented our business and, you know, and presented what we were doing. And, uh, and, you know, he looked us um, straight in the eye and said, you know, who, what do you think you're building? You know, what do you think, how are you going to do this? Yeah, there's so many other companies uh, in, you know, that already do some of those things that you're doing. Now you think you're going to, um, you know, you're going to, um, to solve that problem. And, it was that feeling that, you know, I think the person, he was so dismissive of what we were doing that I really, you know, it was a, it was a big setback. It was, you know, walked, walked, walking a block away and then realizing, oh my goodness, I have made a big mistake. And so, you know, when you get those punches, and that's just one of many, there have been so many um, disappointments along the way. But the one thing you have to do, you must know what you're going toward. You must have that vision in place because there's so many things along the way to pull you, to pull you away, to pull you back, or to, to tell you that what you're building doesn't matter or won't affect the world or it's not important. And if you don't have that vision in mind, if you don't know where you're going, then you'll be pulled every which direction. And once again, that's another powerful statement. I'll have to use that as an audio clip one day down the road. Maybe we'll keep that as a, a phrase for you. I'll send it back to you. Um, so that was, that was powerful right there. Now, we all have disappointments, mistakes, faults and things that happen what time and what place did bunchful truly begin to uh showcase everything that happened to you up until that point what day and what time did that start and how did it make you feel because a lot of people um i don't like to use the word success because we all have some type of success somewhere in something i like to say just something that makes you feel full circle like that it's come around you did this long marathon and you finally got to the end of the race at that one point because the race never marathon truly never stops in business and then things like that but like when did things come full circle for you with bunchful like when did when did you just sit there one day and you were like wow i've accomplished this thus far and i have so much farther to go 
You know, there were many different moments uh, throughout where we felt, wow, we have accomplished something here. Even that, even that moment last year when I told you we had gained this very big client and the client was making, you know, month over month orders. And, you know, this was basically going to be our jumping off point. Like that was a win. I think as entrepreneurs that we're so used to just getting in there and doing the daily you know, the daily grind, getting the work done, that we don't stop to recognize the wins, the small wins that we have. You know, those, the, those things that we got to accomplish that also build toward a bigger, something bigger. And those little, those small things that we get to accomplish, we have to celebrate them as well as those big ones. I think though, that when I look now at the partnership opportunities that have come our way, at the people who are, you know, the people in those organizations that are, um, you know, supporting us, you know, for example, when we brought one of our technology and launched it globally at Amazon, and they were very nervous that no one would use the technology, and we had almost we had such a high, um, you know, such a, a high uh, rate of people who were using it. You know, we all we had almost a hundred percent engagement with the technology. Ooh. So there were um, there were many things that came along the way, and I celebrate those big things. But I also celebrate the day when I wake up that day and decide again that, yes, I am an entrepreneur. Yes, we're building this company into vision. In 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the service of the United States Postal Service and the UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle SD shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. Supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new rate advisory tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage in digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code POD. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And the mundane tasks that need to be done will be done today. I celebrate those things too, because there is a mental requirement that we need, not just for entrepreneurship, for all the things that we want to accomplish. And when we're, you know, we're, we can be fortified enough and strengthened enough to continue on our path, to continue acting behind the scenes when no one is looking or celebrating, when the thing that needs to be done
just it's just a small thing that we have um you know that we have that we that needs to be done but nobody's going to celebrate it we have to celebrate those things too because those are the things that add up into building your company so i celebrate the partnerships the sponsors who uh, who are supporting us i celebrate the um you know the organizations who are partnering with us on our technology i celebrate i celebrate all of those big things and i celebrate the small things too I celebrate the, you know, our my colleagues, you know, people within our organization who are passionate and dedicated and purposeful about what we are bringing to the world, and do their work every day with excellence and even sometimes with fatigue. So I celebrate those too. Okay, now <laughs> that right there, whew, that one that takes the cake there. Now, the part of the show that uh, gets to the heart of everything that we've talked about today, going back around, you have the awards, you have the panel discussion on November 17th, which everyone, um, you can head over to Bunchful.com or over to the BunchfulAwards.com also. Right, Bunchful.com and Right. Yes, you can you can head over to either one of the two um, and you'll be intrigued and you'll find things that will make you want to be part of your, your situation and a part of what you do. Um, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace today and um, enlightening us and giving us um, insight and being very, uh, I don't want to use the word spiritual, but I want to say like, you put some wisdom out there today in this episode, and I appreciate that. Um, so let me give you a quick testament, and I do this for everybody. Me and you just met maybe over an hour ago. I've read your information, um, heard great things about you. So that's one thing I want to tell you thank you for. Um, the next thing that I want to uh, do here is say this, Raquel, straight up to you. Um, there's a lot of people in the world. A lot of people give, but they give with an incentive. They give, not, no one ever gives to get back something. And I'm not saying that, but some people like the incentive and the praise of being known as a giver. You're not asking that. You're not, you're not even trying to award that. What you're trying to award here is people that, the unsung heroes, the people that don't necessarily get the same respect or get the same recognition that other people that give do, that do it intentionally, because some people do give intentionally, not, and not, like I said, once again, not everybody for the result, no one gives to get back. We don't, that's a policy we learned as a child, we don't do that. But some people's intentions dig towards getting back. And yours are not like that. You're just here trying to help the world out. You're trying to pave a way that people will understand that philanthropy is more than just what uh, the common misconception is of it. And the misconception is, is uh, it goes back to Scrooge. Uh, in the Christmas Carol, Scrooge uh, did give, but he was a bah humbug and he was a he was an evil person. And you're not that. So I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you also for being courageous in the sense, you know, you were living what we call the true American dream. You came from somewhere else, and you came here, which is Jamaica. You came here, you had your ups and downs, and you're making it somewhere. You take time to take care of yourself while taking care of others. And one thing you said earlier is a practice that I follow too, and it's success is silent. And I really appreciate that you, you put out there some of your good things. And then, like you said, some of the things that people don't see that success that is silent, you still appreciate it and you promote it within yourself, within your company. Those things right there make you the next um, billionaire in this, this United States that makes you the next um 
biggest thing, you know, you might be taking over, you might become bigger than Jeff Bezos or something like that. That's the biggest person I can think of uh, at the moment. So with all that, I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I want you to keep that positivity about yourself because positivity is something that with a few negative charges can disappear. So definitely please keep doing that. Keep doing all the positive that you do in the world. And like you said, we never worry about what comes back to us, but in doing good deeds, in turn, good good vibes, good energies come your way. That's all that we express and we want in life. We just want to have a positive atmosphere around us. And then we want to have a positive ecosystem around us. And with you providing that for people, that is a gift that not a lot of people can give. And sometimes it's hard when you're inside the glass doing the work, you don't understand what you're doing, but from someone from the outside looking out the glass, it's amazing what you're doing. So Raquel Miller, I want to tell you, thank you. And I appreciate you as a person and, and for everything that you do for the world. Thank you so much for your graciousness in uh, inviting me here today. I had a wonderful conversation and uh, very importantly, I am, you know, if, if, our talk today has impacted or inspired someone to go and um, and express themselves, express their gifts upon the world, and um, and find joy in that. And I am then I am I am also sharing in that. You know, I am here. I have an opportunity, and I am helped by so many people in order to bring to bring about what we're doing with Bashful. And it is my it is my continued hope to continue to help others the way I have been helped. Okay, and once again, I want to thank you, Raquel Miller, for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. And this is JR signing off.